what Tom just said about how resourceful we are, that's the thing to hang your hat on here. We have an amazing ability to be resourceful and to cope with situations that are incredibly challenging. I know that I stand back in wonderment, and I'm sure you do with some of the stuff I hear some of my clients come in and talk about that they're talking about from a traumatic point of view, and it is, but it's also a statement of their incredible resourcefulness in terms of how they dealt with it and got here now, you know what I mean? Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most? It starts right here. Welcome back to Start Right Here. I'm Tom Rutledge, and uh, with me is uh, Dr. Alan Berger, my my good friend, and um, yeah, I don't know, kind of a therapist. You know, you kind of do therapy for me every Friday when we. I mean, what, what day is this? It's Sunday. It's every Sunday when we do this. Well, it's it's good day to you, Tom. It's it's this is therapeutic for me as well. I, I I've shared with you many times how. This is almost like the anchor for my week, if you will, or the, yeah. or the beginning. I mean, sometimes it works as the anchor, and sometimes it works as the uh, introduction to the week for me. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a great place to, to sit with you and reflect on these things and chat about them. And, and every time, and I'm just checking to make sure that I'm honest about this, but I, I, it's true. Every time we talk, I walk away richer than when we started. And I'm hoping hoping our listeners are doing that as well. You know, when when I see somebody for the first time in therapy, you know, I go through this little spiel I got about, you know, this is about, this first session is about to see if I can be of value to you. It's Mm -hmm. also to see if we're a fit. But I tell everyone, I I have a pretty high um, expectation of myself. Because I expect when you leave my office, that you'll at least leave with one thing more then you showed up. Mm, I like it. You know, just one thing. If, if, yeah. if you're walking out with one thing, then I feel like we're moving. If, if you come to a session and you don't walk out with something more than you walked in, I haven't done my job that day. So I've either fallen asleep, which I rarely do. I don't think I've done that in quite some time. I don't you know, stay asleep once I'm asleep. I wake up pretty quickly. <laughs> you wake up pretty fast. <laughs> That's the few times I've done it, and I have nodded out. I have, and then, and oh, then we've been doing this for 40 years. Of course we have. If, 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 if somebody's been doing this as long as we have and don't oh, have stories to tell I, about I, God, I, I, we've got to do a show called Confessions of a Therapist. I'd love it. I'd we've love got, it. That'll be our next show, our, our Confessions of a Therapist. Well, you know, I, I, what I wanted, I always said I want my last book. Maybe you and I should write this one together. It's like I wanted my last book before the, I drop off the planet to be uh, being just called being helpful for a living and, and talk about what it is because that's, you know, it's so many different things. Well, that, that's what, what's his name? Sheldon cop did with his, what is yeah. it called? 
um, be what is it? Um, well, back to basics. Back to one. Back to one. That's it. Yes, yes, to- yes. I love that. I love back that. Back to one. That, that's yeah. what he did. Yeah, but yeah, but but that Sheldon is is was he's not funny. It's like <laughs> he frightened me. He did try a few points. Well, I, I, I never laughed out up. loud. I mean, I love his stuff. I love. His stuff. I love. But you're right. He's not funny. No, he didn't. He came out of the psychoanalytic tradition. You're right. And I you're swear right. to God, if those guys laughed, I think their faces would crack. <laughs> I mean, it would be like a porcelain doll. I think you're right. But you, but going back to what you were saying too, that I that I I. I have this. I have the same experience as well. Is is the idea that I noticed that in my talking with clients through the through the course of the week, um, I noticed just more about what I'm what I'm learning from you and what we're coming up with together because I'm I I make reference to it frequently. You know, I'll, uh, it's, it's not. It's I'll go like you know, and most of the people I'm talking to right now actually are, are are listening, or a lot of them are listening to our podcast too, so they know who you are as well. And you know, and so it's 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 just not unusual for me to say, you know, one of the things that Alan is you know talks about is da 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 da, and you know, and a couple, and then it's been kind of cool because a couple times I go like, I'm not sure I know exactly what he means by that, and then they kind of join in the conversation. So I, and, and that's been, it's been my dream for this, for the, the, the podcast from ever since I found out what a podcast was, uh, which was not all that long ago. It's that was, was that, that when we say conversations about what matters most is that, uh, that, it feels like other people are involved in the conversation. I love it when we hear from people. I, uh, for today's topic, I, I have a, I have a little, little short excerpt I want, I want to share because uh, I think it, it really speaks to what we're talking about. But I just, I, you know, I just, yeah, I don't think we can emphasize enough how much we do actually appreciate people's persistence oh, and, 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 and listening stuff. to all this stuff. Yeah. Well, listen, let's remind the listeners what our topic is this week, right? Okay. And so um, Tom and I decided that there's way too much time spent talking about what's wrong with us and that we're going to be radical and talk about what's right with us, <laughs> right about us, yeah, right, what's right about us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's a very important discussion. And this may be part one, two, and three, or four, or five, and six. I mean, because there's so much. But you had something you wanted to share to start off with. Well, I have this one of these one of the services I offer is called self help journaling where where it's because uh, I started doing it because I had people on the other side of the the, the world and we we had trouble getting our our zooms our our zoom times scheduled so we tried this journaling thing and it's turned out to be kind of a product unto itself a whole new thing where where people can write the the, the client and myself are the only people who have access to the journal it's the Google Drive and and uh, they'll they'll write whenever they want to and then I'll go in and I'll respond to that stuff so it becomes this ongoing conversation and they have a transcript of it you know like like the one the one i'm getting ready to give a, a short excerpt from we're on we're in we're in the 300s right now we, we've got a 300 page document that we've been working on and we've been doing a lot of work but but she was speaking about all the different parts of herself at one point in the journal that I was working on and, and responding to today. And there was just this little piece. I thought I, I just screenshot it and asked her permission to, if I could share it. And, and it just says, she says, pay no attention for some, some reason. I'm, I'm uh, completely Sybil with my personalities inside. You know, the people who are younger may not know Sybil, the multiple personality movie and book. Uh, uh, so far, they are all na- they are all named. Her name's not Anne, but I'll say Anne. They're all named Anne. What do you think? Maybe I should just name them for for grins and giggles. And what what I 
responded to is I said, you know, I think I think I actually in the self forgiveness handbook, I actually give that assignment to basically, you know, yeah, name them, identify these guys because one of the things like you're talking about, it is important that we that we recover from the these characters when we're using the metaphor of personality and the little the committee inside that we recover from those characters that are not part of who we are which are those saboteurs the 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 self-hatred the addictions the eating disorders those those are not us and so those we push over there but then what people sometimes will will think is oh that now i'll be just singular in nature but it's like no I mean, even our authentic self, and we were talking about how do you be, you know, how, how do we, how do we be loyal? How do, and, and the, the other thing we were talking about when we we're talking about having, have a good relationship with ourselves is how to do that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Did not just, cause we can, you can have a good session on that. You can have a good journaling exercise on that, but it's like, how do we put this into our daily practice? So I like the idea of identifying the various parts of ourselves and, and know that, it, you know, it's a metaphor, so you can change it anytime you want to. So, so don't get, you know, sometimes people get a little carried away and think that, oh my God, is, you know, which one of that is, which one of those people are talking and go like, you know, it's, it's a metaphor. Don't worry about it. But it does help to know that, you know, that there are different aspects of us and they actually collaborate and interact to be us. Yes. Yes, they do. And, and, you know, a great way of thinking about it, and, and this is back to focusing on what's right about us, because, you know, we've talked before about that fragmentation occurs as an adaptation to either the demands that of our false self, our false self says we have to be this way or that way, right. Right, to be okay. So then if, if, that, if I have to be a nice guy to be loved, then any, any aggressiveness that surfaces in me is going to have to be disowned. I'm going to have to push away. Well, but it's also true that our, these parts of us develop as an adaptation to the dynamics in our family. Sure. You know, right? Virginia Satir, you know, and then Sharon Wegscheider Cruz talked a lot about the roles that, that different, you know, the children play, the different children right. play in a family, like the, mm-hmm. the placator, the hero child. The lost child, the, the, lost, scape, the scapegoat. scapegoat yeah. Right? Yeah. So then if, if I am the scapegoat, then any part of me that's going to be um, able to, what would be the word, to, to cooperate, right, and, and not put myself in that position is probably not going to be available to me in, in terms of my personality. So, uh, you know, think about the fragmentation as an adaptation, not as what's wrong with you, but as an attempt to ensure your existence. Because what we call these things is, we used to call them defense mechanisms, and I, I think that that's an old term. We, we call them now creative adaptations, right? Well, well, the, the, the word the defense stuff, is that's, our, that's really important because one of the things I've been pointing out to people for years is, is all defenses are not bad. We that's all true. need to defend ourselves. And, and so it really is defense mechanisms, but I like the idea of reframing that as, as creative adaptations. And, you know, and I think that and I, actually I worry a little bit sometimes that the word fragmentation has a, has a negative connotation. That's right. Too, because because I you know I I think there, what we're talking about is is our I mean from long before we ever read a self help book or do anything else or have any insight about what this stuff is it's like we are extremely resourceful 
in our families, growing and learning how to be, how to get our needs met and how to be okay. And that's, and that's where all this stuff comes from. It's it's not, it's not about let's look how sick you are. Yeah. I want everybody to hear that is that, 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 what Tom just said about how resourceful we are, that's the thing to hang your hat on here, mm-hmm. is that who we are, you know, is that we have an amazing ability to be resourceful and to cope with situations that are incredibly challenging, incredibly challenging. You know, the survivors of the Holocaust, that's a great example of that, or other, other groups that have experienced genocide. You know, like what happened in Serbia with Croatia and stuff like that, or, you know, the conflict like you see in other parts of the world. I mean, our ability to deal with these things, it's its remarkable. I know that I stand back in wonderment, and I'm sure you do with mm-hmm. some of the stuff I hear some of my clients come in and talk about that they're talking about from a traumatic point of view, and it is, but it's also a statement of their incredible resourcefulness in terms of how they dealt with it and got here now, you know what I mean? Right. Well, and and let's talk for a moment about, about that comparative that we do too, because most, most of the folks that, you know, we're, we've been in this place and we, most of the people we talk to uh, tend to be, to say the least, a little hard on themselves. And so when we look at extreme examples that are absolutely worth looking at like like the holocaust or or, or uh, ptsd from combat those kinds of things it we, we there, there's a lot to learn from, from those those folks for other folks too but i'll go to i'll go to the experience i had and i wrote about this in, in earning i mean uh, embracing fear i think is is what there was a time in my career where i started listening to my clients and i'd been in a lot of therapy myself and had worked on a lot of stuff and had really hard, I mean, was really struggling with a lot, had struggled with a lot of things. But I listened to my client's stories and some of them were so horrendous that I, you know, then I, I began to have this whole new thing of like, how dare I think that I have any right and I think this is a, a message that a lot of people will have. And it doesn't, it, and it can come from a really negative, sabotaging place. But I also think if we let it, it, it can be one of these parts of us that is just there to keep us honest. Uh, that, that voice that said that, that, that it, it, it's on our own side. So, so it's not so much, how, so I changed it from how dare I, but it's like, okay, how do, I, how do I make this okay? How do I make this okay that I'm dealing with this stuff that because, you know, my mother had depression and was in this, this mood and my family, you know, did this stuff and this stuff. How, how does that compare with the fact that this client I'm talking to has been, you know, sexually abused and physically abused since she landed on the planet. You know, it's, it's like, like that was a tough, there's a really tough one. And it's one I try to stay up to, and I want to be able to help other people know what I've finally with lots of help came to is the, yeah, the situations are different. The intensity is different, but the process is the same. And, and, and the pain and the injury is the same. It's like, I'm not saying it's exactly the same. I'm saying it's the same process. And we all, you know, and it goes back to what I always say about deservingness. It's not I deserve something because I, because I you know, did, does, did something wonderful. Uh, or I don't deserve something because something horrible happened to me. I deserve it as much as the next guy is the way my old sponsor used to say. And so we all deserve this. We all deserve it. And we, and we all are survivors. Yes in our process. That's right. That's right. And you're right. I mean, if, if you get stuck on a comparison thing, 
then you'll go ahead and do what I call dismiss yourself, right? You'll dismiss mm-hmm. your feelings. Amen. Uh, you know, and, and that's problematic in itself. I mean, you know, I, I think people have um, a lot of experience being dismissed as they're growing up, either dismissed or disapproved of. I mean, the parenting styles tend to go one or two ways. There's the dismissive parent, and then we call it the disapproving parent. Mm-hmm. And what the disapproving parent does is also dismisses you, but they add that wonderful element of shame. Right. right? So right. now you get dismissed. <laughs> and at the same time, you're shamed. And, and, and no extra charge. No extra charge. <laughs> I mean, and so it, it's like a one-two punch, you know. It's already bad enough being told your feelings don't count. But now, not only your feelings don't count, and you're a spoiled brat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but let's also, let's take this back to, to the, the, to the roles that we're talking about too, but because one of the things that happens is the way in our family stuff is, is that when, when a group of people around us, our family or the, the environment around us is responding to only one or two parts of us, of us, you know, yes. and, right. and that's our, that's our identified role. Like I, you know, I, Oh, Tommy's funny, you know, he's, he's funny. So, you know, or, uh, you know, this, this, this person is escaping Gabriel. He's always getting himself in trouble. You know, it, it's like, he's the know, problem. If only he wa- wasn't, if he did if we, we didn't have these problems that he creates, the family would be right. so great. Right. right. I mean, the woman, the woman that, that, that had, that I'd read the, 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 uh, excerpt from uh hers hers was was very i mean pedestal based i would call it is the idea is she was she was always taught that she had to be the very best all the time the very best the bigger person the better person everything you know now she wasn't really treated like she was that but but that's what she was always told she had to, to, to to shoot for she had to be absolutely the best always and it's like there's so much other aspects of our, ourselves that don't get developed when we, when we, when we have to stay in that one or two, That's that right. one place that yes. people are, the, the, they will see they, me as long as I'm here. Two degrees, right. We have to stay right. one or two degrees of what's, of, of what that role is. That we've right. It's like, it's like if you're, if you're wearing blinders and, and, it's, and it's like in looking straight ahead, I've got, I've got a position, depending on how you turn, I have to position myself so that you can see me if, if I'm your kid. So basically, you're not doing the job of actually seeing. You're, you're not helping me by being able to see all there is to me. I mean, you know this as a, as a parent of, 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 old, of, of young, young adults too, but also, but also of young children now. It's like, I mean, your job is endless, right? I mean, because your, your job is to have that awareness so that you can actually see as much of them as you can possibly That's right. take in so that you can reflect it back. That's it. That's right. That's right. And, that, and through that reflection, you know, we get to know ourselves and we get to experience ourselves. And, and that's why that mirroring in childhood is so important from a parent. Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, if we go back to this thing about, well, well you know, who, who is this self that we're going to honor? Well, first of all, we can honor the fact that no matter the situation in is we're going to try to remain as whole as possible and we're meaning that we're going to try to keep our integrity to whatever degree as possible. We're going to strive to do that. Mm-hmm. And we're always going to give meaning to the situation that we're in. Okay. Is that we're meaning generators. I mean, we're always trying to say 
to give meaning to the experience we're having. And so these two things operate in a very interesting way. Um, that first of all, I'm always going to try to figure out how best to be in this situation that's going to allow me to get through it in the best way possible. Yes. Right? Always yep. doing that stuff. So, yeah. so if it means I've got to, to den- cut off my right arm to deal with this situation, mm-hmm. I'll cut it off because it means the rest of me is going to survive. So if I have to throw that out, and that's, that's that willingness we have to sacrifice parts of ourselves, mm-hmm. to me is pretty phenomenal, right? That right. we will move towards survival, even if it means getting rid of a part of us that actually might be pretty important. But we're going to do it because we've got to ensure our existence to whatever degree we can. Right. And that's something to feel good about. I mean, right. you know, when we do that, and you've done this and I've done it before, somebody's saying, God, isn't this terrible? I look at them and I say, my God, no, I'm sitting here thinking about how great you are. Thinking, what are you right. talking about? I did this or did that. I go, yeah, but you figured that out. If you would have done anything else, you wouldn't have got through that family that you would have right. grew up in. Right. Right. And, 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 and the other piece is because what you're talking about as far as integrity always comes back to value system. It's like, you know, and, 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 and I mean, very specific value system that varies across time and not just, you know, I always say like, not just don't kill anybody for no good reason, but, but things, things, what, what's most important and what is, you know, what is most important when we're young and we don't have that additional help, we don't have it coming from someplace else. We have to develop a way to do it ourselves. That's yeah. like, like what you said is, is when I, when people feeling bad about themselves, you know, when we first, first get started, I go like, no, I mean, when I'm looking at it, somebody, I mean, think about this, this, we talk about inner child work. Think about this kid you were. It's like, you didn't have a guide. You didn't have a self-help book. You figured this stuff out, right. you know, and, and back to value system and, and whatever is troubling you that got you, brings you just to this conversation or to read that book or to do this is about you, your integrity. If there's something that doesn't feel right, if something feels like it's missing or you don't like something about yourself, I mean, we understand there's a should monster we want to address and we want to do other stuff, but, but we're not, we're not trying to get people, everybody just to love themselves unconditionally. There's no, no, you know, no holes barred. It's, it's like, no, we want, we don't want to do that. We, what we want to do is we want to be good people, yeah. you know, we don't come to, I always say we don't come to therapy just to feel better. We come to therapy to be better. Yeah. It's a great way to say it, Tom. And I, and you know, this just, you know, as we're talking, what comes to mind is that this is the reason we can have faith in ourselves. See that dynamic, that force that's in you and me to move towards being what we can be, you know, moving towards that integrity. That's something to have faith in. And people don't realize they think they have to control to get there. And it's more about just having faith in that and letting that part start to guide you. You know, it's like an inner voice, an inner wisdom. And you and I talk about that at times, right. you know. We even say at times, you know, let's bring your, 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 your inner wisdom forward. Let's have you talk to that part of you. And it's amazing when somebody puts themselves in that mode. And I know sometimes, you know, I know I've done this a few times. You have somebody come over and sit in the chair and be the ther- their own therapist. Oh, yeah. I love doing that. Yeah. You know, it's that same thing is what we're doing is we're inviting them 
to bring parts of themselves that they may be too shy, too modest, or whatever, to bring forward and to start to have something, some say in their life. Right. Well, well, I mean, whether, whether we're talking, yeah, this is all about learning too. And so just like anything else, we, sometimes we have, we have more comp- competence than we have confidence. And yeah. so part of what we want to do is, is show somebody kind of some of their natural, their natural t- talents with that. Now, the, one of the things you just said also, it helped, I think this is, um, I'm proud of myself because I'm actually, my mind is organized about kind of the, the timeline of what we've been talking about through, through the series of, of the podcasts we have so far is want want to talk about the, the, listening to that for that inner, inner wisdom is the reason that we can't find that inner wisdom. First of all, is, is nobody's told us to looking for it or one that may be, but the other is those other voices, the voices we've been talking about in past podcasts and especially in the last yes. few that where with the, the should monster or whatever you want to call them, the, 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 the saboteurs, the, for me, self-hatred it's, it's like those, those here's about those guys. Those guys are always unsolicited. They're very loud and they have no punctuation marks. They speak in one ro- long ass run on sentence. That's right. They don't, there's not even a pause for you to get something in there. It's like, but what I tell people is like, just, we all know people like that, 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 that bullies that treat people that way. And, 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 you know, you never have to ask for their opinion because they're always going to tell you. But the wisest people we know are people we actually they're not going to come busting through your front door, grab you by the collar, slap you around, and tell you something wise. It's like they're there, but they're there if you go ask them. Yes. And they're there, and they're there, and they're respectful of your boundaries, and they're not going. They're not going to force it on you. The same thing is true for the voices of inner wisdom inside. They're quieter voices, but that doesn't mean they're less powerful. They're quieter, and they're there, but we have to go look for them. We have to listen for them. And, and it's like what you said, one of my favorite things to do for somebody sometimes if they're asking a question, you know, is to say before I say, because I always have answers and responses because I got I just more, more, more to say than you probably ever want to hear. But, but I said before, before I say anything, ask yourself that question and just close your eyes and just sit there for a minute and see if you hear anything. And without any other explanation beyond that, it's so often people go, they, you, you watch them before they even say anything. They kind of just will move a little. They'll sit up a little straighter. And it's like somebody spoke to you, didn't they? Yeah. You know, it's a better, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good part of you. That's a right. part of you that's all, here's the cool part. These parts we're talking about that are, even, even if they're, they're going to be a little scrappy sometimes, the, the parts of your authentic self may be, may vary and be different in different ways and may even be in conflict with each other, but they're all on our side yes you're looking for voices if if the voice is not on your side you know i mean i mean love I've, i need a lot of tough love for me it's like it's not always you little sweetheart I, yeah. you know i just love you so much sometimes it's like no tom get up you got to get going you got to get this done just, you know no you've, you've 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 wasted enough time but i can feel that is on that is a voice that's on my side that comes from love not from disdain and disgust big difference. Such an important point, Tom. I mean, I hope people are hearing that. And, you know, the other thing you and I have said before, and it really fits with what we're saying today, even the parts of us that we consider, you know, self-sabotaging or self-destructive, or we call them villains at one point, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Dr. Mary Goulding, mm-hmm. you know, even if you consider them villains, 
they did come into our life as trying to help us. I mean, yeah. even though they're not very good helpers. <laughs> I mean, right. But, but the, the intention was is to, yeah. to try to help us figure things out. And like we said at the time, that was the best thing we could come up with. I mean, we understand that. But we can recognize that part of it, too. And, you know, sometimes I'll, if I have somebody role-playing with one of these sides of them, I'll have them actually turn, let's say, to that top dog or the bully and say, look, instead of beating me up all the time, could you support me and help me? And it's amazing how they never think to ask that other side for help. <laughs> I mean, because they're, they're, right? they're always defending themselves against it or, have, or feeling bad about themselves with it. And they never think about turning it around and say, wait a minute. You know, you may be trying to help me, but it's not helpful. Could you be more helpful to me? Right, right. You know, if, if you're interested in me, let's try to do this in a, in a way that I can use better. And like oh, you said, not, it doesn't have to be all positive all the no, time. No, that's right. Well, I mean, one of the, one of the, I want to give an example of what you're talking about, about positive intent. It's, it's like, like, because, I mean, like the, the, the part of me that, would basically keep me from doing anything because I didn't want to be embarrassed or fail at something. Okay. So, so the way, the way I, the way I, the way I sum that up is that if, if I, if I were, if, if my fear was being run over by a bus, so that part of me comes in and tells me I've got the solution. We're never going to leave the house. Okay. Now that, that problem is solved. Okay. It, I am not going to, there's no, where I live, you, there's no bus going to be here. It's, it's not going to even, I don't think a bus could come up the hill even. It's, it's like, it's not going to happen, but at what cost? And so the idea is a lot of times is, you know, I think about that with my alcoholism as well. I, I definitely have a thank you, but no thank you now attitude toward my alcoholism because I think, I think that they, it really did help me do something I didn't think I could do. And I, and, and I think, you know, and I think that it did and it's like, and I appreciate that and I can appreciate the intent, but it's like that, that, it, that doesn't have to go any farther than that. Yeah. No. And I love the phrase you use when you call it a compromise an unconscious compromise. And mm -hmm. we make those and, mm -hmm. and, but, but at the time you're exactly right there. That's the best we can come up with at that yeah. moment to figure this yeah. thing out. Yeah. And that's not to, you know, we're saying this because the more you do have an attitude of accepting these things, we're not saying approving of them. Acceptance is different mm -hmm. than approval. Yeah. And it's really important to hear the difference. Acceptance is say, hey, that's a part of me. I see that that's a part of me, and I've got to learn to deal with this part of me in a different way than I have. That's all we're talking about. We're not saying to, to now glorify some of these things. We're not going to mm -hmm. glorify them, but we can accept that they had a positive intention. Right. Well, I mean, the bottom line is we, we really, there really isn't a challenge to accept things we like. I mean, a lot of times people make that mistake. They think, Oh, I'm supposed to like this. Go like, no, I mean, I mean, it's like, it, it just means it is. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, I don't know of any one of us who, I mean, now I can, I can say today that I'm grateful to be an alcoholic, actually. I remember hearing the first person say that in an AA meeting years ago and, and thinking, well, that guy's an idiot. And, 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 and I wanted to correct him and help him figure out what, you know, what his problem was. But it's, it's like, you know, I, what I'm really saying there is I'm, I, I, can't, I, I love all that has all the lessons and all the growth that's come with that. It's like, but nobody, when you, when, you, when you enter into recovery from any of this stuff, eating disorder, alcoholism, um, depression, we're not going to like it. It's like we're, we're accepting that, like, like you said, this is mine to deal with. That's all we're saying. Yeah. It's like, and I've got to, you know, I, there's help, 
and I need to I need to utilize the help, but I've got to lead the way. So let's switch to the meaning part of this for a second. So that's an interesting part because I know you speak a lot about that as soon as somebody starts to interpret the experience they're having, and once again, the way I'd say it is to give meaning to it by coming up with a narrative that makes them a victim. They've just compounded the problem. Mm -hmm. And you talked a lot about that. And, and I think that that's an important part of this, right? Is so what kind of a narrative, what kind of meaning am I signing to this situation I'm having? And, you know, our, our narratives or meanings can either enhance how we're dealing with life and how we're coping, or they'll diminish. They'll take away from the possibility of being able to cope mm-hmm. with our life. And, you know, what, you know, I know part of therapy is one way of thinking about it is we're helping people discover new meaning or a new narrative to their life that helps them make contact with their experience in a way they can learn about themselves. They can learn about how to be better able to cope. I mean, all of those other things that we've talked about. And so the kind of meaning you're giving to a situation is going to determine a lot if you're going to be able to mobilize your resources internally or not. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said to me just a couple of weeks ago, I worked with someone who works with a lot of Japanese country uh, companies. And uh, he was saying that, you know, when a problem comes up, the Japanese have this way of saying the problem is not a problem. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. That's how they say it, that it's a gift. They say it's a gift for us to learn what happened here so that we can learn from it and do better. So when you start assigning that kind of meaning to problems, they look very different. If the meaning you give to a problem is, see, I've been cursed. I knew it. I know it. God's out to get me. I'm on, I'm not on, I'm not on the good list. I'm on the naughty list. Yeah, we're all self-fulfilling prophecies. (laughs) There it is again. There it is again. again. My God, see, (laughs) nothing ever good is going to happen to me. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Right? Right. right. It's those kinds of things. Those kind that when you give meaning like that, and here's the real important thing I want every listener out there to hear. You can change your meaning the meaning you give to an experience like that. And it can change the way you're looking at the situation in a totally different way. You know, this, this is, well, you can change it like that, but you, but, but, but the harder part is to, to, to to move that like we were talking about before into, into a daily practice, because you're still going to go back automatically to your default setting. Yeah. Well, let me, let me give you an example of what I mean. Okay. Okay. So um, you've met Maddie now. Mm -hmm. You know, and you've shown her a lot of cards, tricks. Mm-hmm. And she just loves your loves mm-hmm. your magic. You're you're called Magic Tom in our household. All right, that's that's <laughs> how, how you're known as Magic Tom, Uncle Magic Tom. Mm-hmm. And um, so when Jess and I were pregnant with Maddie over eight and a half years ago, now um, Jess was at UCLA and working on her postdoc in cancer biology. She was studying uh, B cells. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know what a B cell was until she had her postdoc at UCLA. No, no. Since since you've done Jess, you're much smarter. <laughs> There's no question about it. And 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 I realized how much I don't know at the same time. <laughs> yeah. What's made me smarter is yeah. actually realizing how much I really 
how little I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get pregnant. You know, it's really she wants to have a child, and I love being a dad, so I'm all game, even though I have two adult children. Um, so, you know, we get pregnant. That was uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> That part really <laughs> a lot. Um, so we're at UCLA. We decide we decide we're going to use the midwife group at UCLA to bring Maddie into the world. We didn't know mm-hmm. Maddie yet; she was still a right. whoever she was going to be. Yeah. So um, part of the trip at UCLA is that you have to go do all this genetic testing. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they do two part two different kinds of, of genetic counseling. They do the testing. They take, I swear to God, they took like 20 vials of blood out of Jess the day that, that she went in to get the, the blood drawn for the genetic tests. And then we met with this woman who was like this sage from Australia, an MD. She was like 900 years old. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she did, she did the most meticulous family tree about, you know, did did your mother have a hangnail on her right thumb or not? <laughs> I mean, she was into, I mean, into the weeds because trying to figure out what are the possibilities in terms of transmission of some kind of a genetic problem. And the reason UCLA is so into this, if we've got an issue, they want to do what's called anticipatory coping. They want to start counseling us in terms of what we're going to have to deal with. They want to mobilize resources, both internally and externally, so that you're going to have the best response to the situation. Mm-hmm. So we were all in. We were all game. We love the energy at UCLA. We love the midwife's group. We do all this testing. They don't take the blood from the guy because if she doesn't have an issue, what, what's going on with me doesn't matter. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. The woman is the deciding factor in this. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's a powerful biological statement, isn't you're, it? You're, you're, you're relevant, you're relevant in, in some I'm situations. I'm only relevant if she's relevant. In certain, in, certain, yeah, in certain circumstances, you may be relevant here. Yeah, that's right. right, but not this one. This one, it, it, it's all mom. Don't it's assume it, yeah. mom. So we show up. We're now into probably four and a half months into the pregnancy. We haven't heard anything. And what we're being told by the midwives, no news is good news, right? None of the yeah. genetic testing results are, well, that changed one day. So we go to the, to the well baby visit. I'm driving back to my office in Hermosa Beach. Jess is still on campus. She's walking to, to the lab. And she gets a call from the midwife, says, you need to come back. We do have the results of the genetic testing. I need to, to go over them with you. Very matter-of-factly. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't matter of fact when she walked in the office. She says, unfortunate, you have tested positive for this gene. Mm-hmm. And that this gene creates what she called a disease called spinal muscular atrophy. And what that means, it's not good news. It doesn't sound good. If I have it as well as Jess, then, then our unborn child has a 25, one out of four chance of being born with it. If you have, if you have the gene, also I have the gene along with Jess. Okay. You, you just, be, you you just became relevant. I became highly relevant mm-hmm. at that moment. Yeah. So yeah. what the worst case, and of course, when Jess was told this, she didn't. You know, the, the, I just found out the other day. I thought the midwife told her this before, but I just found out that Jess researched it. She went. Uh, she, you know, tapped into some medical journals. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, 
is the child lives till uh, she's, or it, it was a she at that point, we knew it was going to be a little girl, a year and a half. Wow. Um, best case scenario, if the child has this at 14 years old, they don't live longer than 14 years. Here's the second part. Well, wait, and, wait a minute, wait a minute. Even, even though I know the, the story ends well, my chest hurts. So I, I just need to say that out loud. Oh, I'll tell you, she was, when she called, I thought that she was, I mean, I, I stopped, I, I stopped breathing just then. It was horrible, man. I mean, at that moment, she was, her whole world, I mean, just came tumbling down around her. And then when she called me, I start crying all the way back there and going, oh, my God. Now, the other part of it is child never is free from a ventilator. They're always on a ventilator. So they're always going to be in a situation. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a very, very, very crippling and devastating illness for a child to have. So I come back, and now, I, now I'm relevant. I have to give my blood mm -hmm. six weeks. You have to wait six weeks? Six weeks. Six weeks. I, I stopped breathing so, again. So the meaning that we're both giving to this is that this is horrible. You know, that, that we, you know, we're already figuring out I got the gene. I mean, we, we didn't wait for the testing. We results, right? You know, I mean, we already got the fact that I got the gene, you know. Yeah, don't I, bother I, me with I, details. Yeah. Yet. We, you know, our little girl's going to be born with this, and now this is what we're going to have to do. Yeah. My level of anxiety, Tom, was a 10 plus. If it's on a scale of zero anxiety to 10 is the highest you can experience. I was like 15, 16, 17, mm -hmm. somewhere way up in the atmosphere. Yeah, well, that was a pretty that, damn sane response. Oh, Jess was too. I mean, we were just, um, I mean, we were just besides ourselves, agitated, um, crying, um, lost, confused. I mean, just so many different. And then I get these morbid. So then my villains jump in and say, oh, mm -hmm. God is punishing you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for what? I don't know. I'm in a fucking Kafka novel, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm mm -hmm. like in a fucking Kafka novel. A mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck. Why? But God's now doing this to me because of something I've obviously done that I'm not sure what I've done yet that would deserve something like this. But this is the meaning I'm giving to this thing, which I'm now further driving myself even fucking crazier and and now dealing with that part of this right mm -hmm. so it's like it's going from bad to worse to worse to worse right well let me let me toss this in too for anybody who's taking this and extracting things about the meaning for themselves as well because that's one of those things those that we're, we're drifting back to our villains here in our saboteurs but one of the things those guys do is they uh, they create, I call it negative arrogance. They, 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 they make it all about being, it's all about you. That's Everything's right. about you, that meaning. And, and it, and it just makes everything else feel worse because, you know, because it, it, and, and that's not necessarily who we are. This it's, it's, it's really a product of those messages that just basically just are just look, devoted look, to blaming us. I had a Catholic mother and you know what she said? Yeah. Something wrong. God's going to punish you. Yeah. God is going to punish you. I mean, I can still hear No, mom. this is perfect. No, this is actually, I talk about the problems I've had with deserving this. One of the reasons I always said that is I said, when people said you, 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 you deserve things, I go like, I don't necessarily want what I deserve. I, I'd been with me most of my life. You know, I knew that it wasn't good. It's like, so it's, it's, it's like, yeah.
we did get that. I got that message too. And from a Presbyterian mother. That's right. That's right. So, hey, the Catholics and Presbyterian mothers. And then I had other clients say, are you sure your mom wasn't Jewish? That's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's yeah. that, I guess all moms got a, a part of this regardless. So, so we're beside. Mom, moms get blamed a lot too. Yeah, by I know. Right? I mean, yeah, yes. Throw that in the hopper here. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's because they're tested first. We figured it out today. They do get tested first. I think. <laughs> I, I think it's also because they're around more. It's like see. That I, a lot of times it's like, that's, like, that's guy, you know, I got to go to work. You know, it's like, women, women do too, but nobody gives them a break. You know, it's like, oh, well, she had to go to work. You know, like that. Oh yeah. Guys, you know, he's got to be so, he's at the office. So we mobilize all our resources. I call my sponsor, Tom. She calls her family. She calls her friends. I reach out to my friends and stuff and everybody's, supportive and wonderful and loving, but it's not making a difference. We're still sitting there with our heart in our throats. Nothing's going to make a difference. Anxious, nothing's no. making a difference. So we, so we get to that night somehow. Of course, I can't go to talk to people because I'm too wrapped up in, in the pain and, and the anxiety I'm feeling and, or flooded by is a better mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. So I keep telling myself, because, you know, at this point in time, I was still talking about this emotional sobriety stuff. I said, there's got to be some answer in here somewhere, somehow to find a way to get my balance back. I am so off balance. I can't find my footing. Mm -hmm. So I kept saying to myself, there's got to be some way to find some comfort in, in this thing, even with this news. And I have no idea what it is. So I what happens a lot of times is I say, let me just try to sleep on it. You know, go to sleep, get a little distance from it, get a little perspective on it. Maybe something will come to me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's easy to say when you can sleep, but it was hard sleeping that night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the anxiety was terrible. I mean, was just, I think probably out of sheer exhaustion, I, I fell off for a little bit. And when I woke up, if it didn't happen, you know, um, I heard Scott Peck say, sometimes when we sleep, you know, our, um, God speaks to us through our unconscious, is the way he said it, which is a cool way of thinking. Mm -hmm. I woke up that morning and then it hit me. He said, I was, I was giving a certain, I was letting this prospect of this illness determine how I was going to respond to it. Right. And when I stood back and I thought about it, I said, wait a minute. Does it really matter? Am I going to love this child any less? If I get her for a year and a half, I'll just love her a lifetime in a year and a half. And if I'm so fortunate to have her for 14 years, I'm going to love her in these 14 years. I'm going to choose love, not fear here. I want to be a dad. Mm -hmm. I'm going to love this child. I chose to bring her in this world and I'll meet her wherever she needs to be met and I'll show up and be the best possible dad I can be. Tom, the minute that thought crossed my mind, mm -hmm. I could breathe again. Yeah. I found my center of gravity again. It was like, and I hate to you use gave it. yourself a tracheotomy. I, like, I did. Like, I, well, I said all the time it's like I took a bar of Xanax. It's it's like, like, Jesus Christ! It took every bit of anxiety was gone mm -hmm. in a minute because of the meaning I gave to that situation yeah. versus what I was before. The next thing, 
Then I shared it with Jess. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Had the same impact. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, she got grounded. I mean, she was grounded in that. She believed that to be true for her as well as for me. Mm -hmm. And now we were operating from a very, very different place. And then the second thought came to mind, which even reinforced the first. Mm-hmm. Our unborn child will never know the difference. Right. There's it's, no contrast. It's going it's to be her Their life, life will be their life, and they will see their life through our experience with them, through our eyes with them. And if I love that child and give that child all my, they will have a life filled with love. Right. Nothing, nothing will be taken from them. Yeah. Nothing. They will have everything else, everything. I, and I, and it was to me the biggest lesson on this emotional sobriety stuff. When I saw that, when I had that experience personally, because this is where, you know, if I wasn't in recovery, I would have been at the bar or I would have been looking for that bar as Xanax yeah, in yeah. order to deal with this because I didn't have the capacity, first of all, to tolerate so much pain. Right, I would have ran away from it instead of sat with the anxiety. I would have said, mm-hmm. "I got to run away." But there was something about staying with it mm-hmm. that allowed us to discover, or allowed me to discover that, mm-hmm. that moment mm-hmm. of of total, total salvation. Yep, grace. I guess we could call. Yeah, yep. yep. it's an amazing. It's an amazing experience we have. That's. I mean, that you know, one of the things about you know the and and to take that to the idea of how to I mean, you it's a great description um it's 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 a great description of of um of basic, basically finding reassurance in the most practical way because you know one of the things that i talk about with fear a lot of times is is that we we tend to reassure try to reassure ourselves or other even other people with with minimization and criticism like oh you shouldn't feel that way don't feel that way you know oh, don't oh you know that kind of stuff it's like it doesn't help the idea is what you did is something that that i that i i never heard an example of that as as poignant as that but i've talked to people about the idea that because i've done it with lesser some lesser things and and did it one time with my wife when she was incommunicado in the icu for a week and i didn't know if i was going to ever see her again went through a similar kind of process and i'm not saying that's the same as having that child but it's like like um but what what we had in common is we, we walk to the worst case scenario. You go all the way down there. You go, say, let's go look at it. Let's so see ourselves do it. Let's see, you know, it's, I tell people, walk through it. See yourself. What are you going to do? How are you going to deal with it? Go, go all the way through it. And, now the, and the key is when you come back and you know you have a plan, when the guy shows up two minutes later and says, tries to scare you with the same thing again, you got to remember to say, I already got it covered. I already got yep. it covered. That, that's the daily practice because it'll try to scare you again. And he, and if he catches you off guard, he'll do it again. But the idea, what you did is you, this, this is appropriate projection. This is healthy projection. You projected into the future, you know, and you saw what would happen and you saw that you could do it. And you, and it was and, right on. And see the way I say, the way I say this is that UCLA helped us to anticipate the possibility of this and cope with it. Not in the way they were thinking. Right. Right. But the situation was created in such a way as that it did bring up this anticipatory coping. So now he said, bring it on. 
usually when I give my talks, I don't even, I, I forget to even mention about what really happened in terms of that Maddie turned on. You've seen Maddie, she's yeah. fine. I mean, you know, so, but at that point, it didn't matter. Right. That's how you know that you've arrived at that place, right? Because there's no more residual. There's no right. more wringing the hands. There's no more fretting about it. It was over. So anyway, I, I hope that those people that are listening can be inspired. That no matter what situation you're facing, there's a way that you can orient yourself to deal with that right. situation and cope with it instead of letting the situation, you know, claim you. You know, right, and and I want to I want to really emphasize because and maybe I'm projecting myself onto other people where that I don't even know here, but but it's it's like you know, watch out for the comparison because that's an extreme ex example. The process is the same, if, if whatever the the fear is when you're when you're facing that. So it's like it's like it's not you know it's not when we hear we hear somebody going through something that's extreme like that we have if we have a big bad bully should monster in our head they tend to take it and beat us up you know you're not like that you can't do that like, now forget that it's like you're talking about doing something very practical you're talking about and by the way when you when you and Jess were freaking out your consciousness were already trying to figure out how to cope that's right exactly. you're already working on it right on that's right on. We were already working on it. Mm -hmm. And that's what people need to hear, too, is that not all, all the figuring out is going to be conscious. Oh, you know, a lot of it's not. That's where, you know, that's where give yourself some space, man. You know, Bill Wilson talked about living in the pause. Get in the pause for a while. Yeah. Let yourself be in there. But this is where we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and letting go of this idea that life is just about being feeling okay all the time. It's right. not life is about being okay and not being okay. It has both sides to it. Well, yeah. Cause one of the things you said earlier is we were talking about the ultimate, the ultimate reframe for me is that for myself and my life is, is, you know, to, to answer that sort of that question of, of how would my life be different if, if, if I, my belief is that I'm here to learn, you know, and it's there like, then, then there everything's, everything's a lesson. It's like, if I'm here to learn, then I'm going to approach my life differently than if I'm just here to not have problems. Yeah, that's right. Right on big, big difference between the two. You know, one thing we haven't done today. What's that? Well, we, 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 today's the first day we've got Patrick sitting in with us, you know, that's right. We haven't turned to Patrick. And we have, and, and and we didn't even say hi to him. <laughs> oh my Pat, God! Patrick, Talk about Patrick, Patrick, oh Patrick, my God! Patrick, Patrick's our producer, and and we and 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 uh, you know we want him to be a part of what we're doing, and so we invited him in, and then we didn't give him any space whatsoever. <laughs> welcome to our welcome, Patrick. I'm grateful to be here. Uh, it's been a great talk, and you know, um, I just love that story about Maddie, and um, you know. Uh, I've certainly had to learn to, um, in my journey towards a more emotionally sober place in recovery, because uh, I'm in recovery as well. Um, yeah, just that I can kind of, I can own something that happens to me and I don't need to be, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need to suffer because of it. I can find a, a way through it by reframing, you know, my perspective. So, uh, Absolutely. yeah, I, I really appreciated your story.
Good. Well, good. Well, we okay. want everybody. Everybody, we love Patrick. Patrick takes good care of us. Oh, Patrick is much smarter than either one of us when it comes to podcasts because he knows all these things that we don't know. And uh, so I'm glad. I'm, I'm. I'm sorry we left you hanging today, Patrick. No, I'm, I'm grateful to uh, be on board. Thank you. Well, Tom, how do they find out about more about your work since we're here? Uh, go to my website, uh, tomrutledge.com, uh, and uh, uh, free uh, free downloads, uh, information about my books, uh, our video series, our 12-episode video series with the COVID stuff is is on there. There's uh, it's some stuff that I've probably even forgotten about, but it's, it's some other interviews and things like that. So, so uh, definitely go uh, si- sign up. Uh, Register uh, with my mailing list and uh, keep up with us and join us. If you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe to the to start right here. Please follow can, us uh, on Instagram and Twitter. There you go. You keep telling us to do that, and we don't. Instagram and Twitter. I I follow us on Instagram. Did you notice that? Yes. I went I went there when it was new, and I was there was no followers. I felt very sad, so I followed us. Well, uh, more great content this week. Okay. <laughs> I need to do that. You'll help me with that, Patrick. Instead, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so, I'm such an, uh, I, I'm the immigrant to this call, to this whole mm-hmm. world. Right? You're the native. Um, <laughs> you can learn more about my work at www.abphd.com. That's my website, abphd.com. And I'm like with Tom, I've got a lot of resources on there that you can download stuff. I've got a bookstore on there. You can get hold of some of my books, my audio CDs. I've got a couple DVDs on there and, and more to be coming. Always more. You're, you, man, you're, you're, you're a manifester. You're, you're, a manifester. All, you're churning I, stuff out all the time. I I'm appreciate churning, that about you. Churning things out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next week, um, why don't we do Confessions of a Thousand? That's, that's what I was thinking. We were talking about it before. I think that's a great one. Because I also think we've been we've been working with some pretty intense stuff here for a while, and I, and, and, and that, there could be some intense stuff there too. But but it, it's a fun topic. It's it's we uh, it's we were talking before the I think we were before we were on on uh, we recorded. But it's it's like just having done each of us having done this 40, 40 plus years. It's like just <laughs> just some 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 things some things we've gotten ourselves into. We began by talking about whether or not you've ever you know when, what happens when you fall asleep in a therapy session. That's so right. we'll, we'll we'll definitely cover that topic and uh, uh, and and many more. I'm sure. Look in the mirror and trust the reflection Deep in your heart Start right here That's where it starts Right here Won't you look to your heart It's always